What's up, everybody? This is Jonathan Smith, and you're listening to Overtime Takes here on KSWHLP 102.5 FM, The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. Colt Booth is back. What's up, man? How are you? What's up? Doing well, man. It's good to be back. It's good. It is. It's always good to be back. So I'm, I'm excited for this first segment. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So now that you know LeBron has claimed his fourth title, you're going to turn on your TV. You're going to go to Undisputed, and you're going to listen to Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless yell at each other for 15 minutes about who the GOAT is. Right? And then, you know, like you, you, you may flip over to some other channel where they're a little more civilized about it, but you're going to hear a lot of GOAT dis- discussion. So what we want to do, because we, we love to help the people here on Overtime Takes, is we want to let you know the worst arguments. And so if you hear somebody use these arguments, just completely ignore them. Yeah, and, and these are arguments for either LeBron or MJ, either pro-LeBron or anti-LeBron or pro-MJ or anti-MJ. We, you know, we have our stances in, in this debate, but this segment is not about what we think. This is just about, hey, we're online, we're listening to podcasts, we're watching TV, uh, and we have friends that are basketball people. And these are arguments that people use that are just bad arguments. And whether, you, you know, there are some of them that argue my point that I agree with, but I'm like, hey, this is a, a bad way to do it. Uh, yeah. and, and so don't listen to this and think, oh, well, you know, you're just a, you're a big LeBron guy, and so you're just trying to be anti-MJ. Like, no, we're just trying to point out, hey, these are bad things. Don't, don't do these things or you're an idiot. Exactly. So we're going to start with the in, in MJ arguments, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first one is if you're a LeBron guy and you use this argument, stop. The players he played weren't any good. Okay, so before John gets started, this was the the argument that kind of spawned this whole segment idea. Is LeBron, is John was hot about some of these things? So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna leave you the floor. Go ahead okay. and I'm gonna lay out. Go ahead and okay. go ahead and tell us why this is a bad argument. So if you want to say that the players nowadays are better, they're more skilled and things like that, like sure, but that doesn't mean that the players that Michael Jordan played against were terrible, right? He played against Hall of Famers. Right, just look at that, you know, dream team that he played on in 1992. Eleven Hall of Famers, right, and they beat teams worse then than, than our, you know, Olympic teams do now, right? Those guys were really good. <laughs> they were like they were great players, right? And oftentimes when we look at the players that LeBron played, we consider, especially in the finals, we consider them greater because oftentimes we like to assess how many rings you have to how great of a player you are, right? And when you're playing Kevin Durant in the finals, who has two, three, I believe? Two. 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 Steph Curry, who has three. Uh, Tim Duncan, who finished with five. Paul Pierce, who finished with one. <laughs> you know, and guys like that, it's like, yeah, like the players that LeBron is, is playing are better because they have more rings. So here's the thing that, that people have to realize with Michael Jordan. The players that he played against in the finals, excluding Magic Johnson, who finished his career with five rings, had five rings in 91 when they played them, all of them had zero, either finished with no rings or had zero rings when they played Michael Jordan. So because we like to success winning with how great a player is, those two things just don't correlate. And so I, we undervalue how good the players are that Michael Jordan actually played against. Okay, so I'm going to give you some pushback here. Just not that not necessarily don't agree with you, but just to make this segment more interesting. So the thing that I would say is that the players that you brought up in your argument of like, well, they have rings, so we look with them higher, like Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan was already an all-time player by the time that he beat LeBron, and I'm kind of not kind of counting 2007 because LeBron had no shot. Um, yeah, fair, fair. And so he came in with rings. Kevin Durant won rings against LeBron 
but he was also playing on probably the one best of the team best teams ever, right? Ever. Yeah. And, and so again, like that, I don't think that's necessarily LeBron. And also, what I would say is like a lot of those players that don't have rings that Michael played against, and and the argument goes that Michael stopped them, and that is true to a point. But it's not like Michael was beating them in the playoffs every single year, right? It's not like True. he's the only one that was stopping them from getting there. Yeah. Now he did stop, like he did beat Barkley in the finals, right? Like there are some guys that he prevented from getting that ring, but it's not like they had to run into Michael every single year. In I would. He didn't get there. I would point to guys like Patrick Ewing then, where he did run mm-hmm. into them multiple times, and that was kind of, you know, to kind of put it in a more modern terms, like the Bulls were. The Bulls to Patrick Ewing are to what the Celtics were at first to LeBron James. They were just kind of the team that that they couldn't get over the hump, and then you know they had their chance when LeBron sat out, and then just couldn't couldn't beat the um, Magic that year. So I, I do think that there's guys in the East we just don't talk about them because they don't have any rings. Yeah, and and here's what my also my pushback is is I'm not going to argue about those top flight players because those were all time players and those were amazing guys that might yeah. beat. I do think if you look at the rosters one through twelve, oh, I do think players a today definitely are better. Today. Oh, for, I totally for agree for multiple reasons, especially that second three P. The NBA had just went under an expansion, and so the pool is a little bit diluted because they went under expansion the year before they started that second three P. And if you look at the influx of foreign players that we have today, oh yeah, like some of those guys, right? We see, we know Giannis and Luca, right? These are top flight players in the league. That MJ didn't have to deal with those foreign guys as much. Yeah, other than probably I 18. totally agree. However, they also fill out the the deeper part of the rosters in a way that Jordan did not have to compete against. And so while it's not as flashy of of stuff that LeBron's competing against, I do think on a whole the league is more talented than it was when Jordan played. And I do think that makes it just when you're looking at talent, there's a ton of other factors, but just when you look at the talent, I do think LeBron is playing against more talented basketball players night in and night out than Jordan did. True, but that would also mean he has more talented players on his team now than what Jordan did. Like, hopefully that would be true. But when you look at individual teams, that's not always the case, right? And so... Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you can look at some of his teams, and I'm not going to sit here and say he never played with anybody because he obviously has, but there have been some teams that he's been on, like the last two Cavs teams, um, where especially after Kyrie left and his first Cavs team, like... They're not very good teams. Um, yeah, totally and agree. Really and then they end up having to play the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no shot, no shot. And then, like I said, like I'm not saying MJ did play against bad players because obviously that's not true. And I think you're right in your argument on this. Um, I just don't think it's as clear cut either direction. And honestly, that's probably what we're going to say at all of these. Is probably. there's nuance in these conversations? It's not yeah. easy to say it's definitively this, it's definitively that, which is what we want to do because that's easy. Um, but I do think on the whole you're right. Like, he did play against some very, very good players, right? It wasn't yeah. like he was out here. What's what's the line? MJ played against plumbers and electricians. Plumbers and electricians. Yeah. <laughs> like let's let's chill out on that just a little bit. So our other stupid MJ argument. This is actually a pro MJ argument. It is the if 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 Michael Jordan hadn't taken two years off, they would have won eight in a row. No, they wouldn't have. Okay, like this is coming from a guy who's probably more pro MJ. I don't really care though. Like if you say LeBron's the best, I'm not going to be Skip Bayless about it. So I look just the wear and tear that it puts on your body and things like that. And you know, people are like, well, LeBron, LeBron went to eight, eight straight. I would argue that you know the East at the time wasn't very strong. You know, because what? Who who was the second best team? You can't even tell me who the second best team in the East was when when LeBron was was out in the East and that he went to eight in a row. You um, know, whereas. 
So I feel like yeah, that no, kind of helps him a little bit. Maybe early. Maybe. And then the problem is it's eight years, right? So there's, yeah. never, there's not going to be a good, a great team for eight years that, yeah. that runs through there. He had different teams that, that rose and, and fell. But, yeah, I, I get what you mean. And so just the, the wear and tear on, on your body, I just feel like that would, would have hurt him, especially in an era that I think Colt would agree is, was definitely more physical. You know, like imagine having to play. I also think that's an overrated argument. <laughs> True, but a little overrated. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. continue. And – and so I just think that, you know, the wear and tear on his body, I think he would have lost some motivation just because that's that's the one thing that's really impressive for me with these guys who go to multiple finals. It's like, I've been here before, and I've won it before. You know, the mountaintop's great, but the mountaintop experience becomes less less special the more times you do it. So I think some motivation might have been lost and things like that. So I, there's no way he goes to eight straight. No, there's, there's not a shot. And Steve Kerr has talked about this, and I think he, he was on a podcast with Bill Simmons, and Simmons – you know, kind of said on one of his podcasts that they talked about it off the record, and Kerr said, "Yeah, there's no, there's no shot, right?" He was on those teams. He has also had the advantage of coaching teams that have tried to do a run like that. Yeah, and he talked about what it takes out of you of going to that place and playing the way Michael played to get to the finals year after year after year. He's saying like basically like there was no chance, and and even if you watch the Last Dance, like when he retired the first time to go play baseball. He was gassed. Like you could see it in, in in the way he talked about when he left basketball. Like he just he didn't have it anymore. And there was a lot of family stuff going on in his life, and so I don't want to diminish that. But yeah. I think you could see that. Hey, it takes so much out of you that to just say, "Oh yeah, he would have won. He would have won eight straight." Like that is like ridiculous. And yeah. it and it really underrates how good those Houston teams were. It really and does. Act like, oh well all Jordan does is win, so he definitely would have won. And it's like, oh okay, well, we're just gonna pretend ninety five didn't happen then where he didn't win. Oh, that's cool. He was a little I mean, you're right. He was out of shape and things like that coming in from a baseball season. But yeah, I I I, I agree with you. I I think we're on the same page with this. I I had another thought. Oh, can we can we diminish the um this is a little off topic, but can we agree that they didn't suspend Michael Jordan from the league for a year and a half. Like, can we get, debunk that idea? Because I, I, I hear this idea that that David Stern purposely got rid of the guy who brought in the most money for the NBA for a year and a half. There's no way that David Stern did that, all, all because he, he gambled. Yeah, probably not. Again, I think you're arguing against no one here. I think it's just a fun thing that people say. I don't think anybody seriously believes that this happened. Well, there's people who seriously believe that LeBron's not a top ten player ever. So, oh, well, <laughs> again, these those are people that I just have no no desire to have a discussion with because you're just an idiot. Yeah, precisely, that. precisely. So, yeah, those are our our MJ arguments. So we've got two LeBron arguments. I'll let, I'll let Colt take the lead on these because he's. Yeah. So this is one of the, the big arguments that I've heard lately. and Colt's passionate about this one. I, I am. So <laughs> there's, there's two LeBron arguments. I'm going to go ahead and forecast where we're going. Basically, when you're, when you're arguing the LeBron versus MJ debate, the, the argument has come down to two things. If you are pro-LeBron, the argument is longevity, right? Because Jordan, six of six, winner, competitor, da-da-da-da-da, right? Like the, the argument against that is LeBron is going to play so long at such a high level that even if his peak wasn't as high because of his longevity you have to take him over jordan that's the best pro lebron argument the best pro mj argument is that well mj was a better winner he was a better competitor his peak was higher and so you take that 
over the longevity of LeBron. Now, I want to preface this by saying uh, LeBron's still playing, right? He's not retired. This conversation is not over. He still has years to write what he's going to end up being as a player, whereas Jordan has. And so the reason that this argument upsets me is that people say with the LeBron longevity argument, well, it's just due to the modern era. Right. Well, he has better medicine. He has better technology. Like if Jordan had had that, he also would have played as long as LeBron has played. Or maybe they don't say that, but they do. LeBron, the, the, the idea is that Michael Jordan would have played longer than what he did. And they seek to discredit the longevity of LeBron by saying, well, it's only because of, you know, the, the modern era and medicine and everything like that. Now, does that play a factor? Absolutely. Right. The reason that LeBron has been as successful as he has is because of some of the advancements and the things he does. But we're going to do a little exercise here. We're going to go through some of the names of the 2003, 2004, and 2005 draft class. And we're going to look at, hey, which of these players is still kind of in their post-prime? Because right? that's where LeBron's at. He's the best player in the league. He was the best player in the playoffs. He led his team to a championship. Which of these players from the next three draft classes is still in a position where they could do that? <laughs> Darko Milicic. No. Carmelo Anthony. Wash. Chris Bosh. Retired. Dwayne Wade. Retired. Uh, we're going to keep kind of go through the first round. Nick Collison, absolutely not. Uh, David West, retired. Doris, Boris Diaw, retired. Uh, Do you... Leonard Barbosa, Kendrick Perkins, who's what, now so they, washed that he's on TV. What they, hey, you remember the finals when the Spurs put Boris Diaw on LeBron and LeBron really struggled to score? <laughs> okay. 2004, Dwight Howard, wash, couldn't even play in the finals. Sean Livingston, uh, retired. Luau Dang, retired. Andre Iguodala still got a little bit left, but definitely Not in the much. later part of his career, pretty much washed. Chris Humphreys, the only reason you know his name is because he was engaged to a Kardashian. J.R. Smith, retired. <laughs> Tony Allen, retired. All right, we're going to go 2005. Andrew Bogut, no one cares about him. Darren Williams, retired. Chris Paul, the only one he's that's still, still kind of like, hey, he's pretty good. I wouldn't say he's still... Not what he was. He's not what he was in the same way that LeBron is still pretty close to what he was. Yeah. Andrew Bynum, no. Uh, so this Danny Granger, no. Gerald Green, no. Dane Robinson, no. None of these guys that were drafted the year, the year after, two years after LeBron, are anywhere close other than Chris Paul to the level that they were at at one point in their career. And most of them aren't playing anymore. <clears throat> Agreed, and so yeah. to say that... Well, the modern era helped LeBron. Well, why didn't it help anyone else? Yeah. Because every single person that LeBron came in the league with is washed. They're done. They're not the same guys they were. Where LeBron's still pretty close to the same guy he was. And so to say, oh, well, it's only because of the modern era. That's the only reason. Well, if that were true, every other player should be great. right? This is the same thing that happens with, with Brady where people say, oh, well, it's all the advancements and all that kind of stuff. Okay, well, then why are other people falling off in a way that he's not? Right? Yeah. Do I think they understood how to use that better? Do I think they made uh, took advantage of that in a better way than other players? Probably. That's probably true. But they had to choose to do that. They had to choose to care enough about winning to do that. They had to put that investment in their bodies because they wanted to win. And LeBron's never been hurt. Right, He got hurt last year for a groin injury, probably set out longer than he needed to because he knew that team wasn't going to go to the playoffs. So he said, yep. hey, I just might as well rest. And so to sit here and be like, oh, well, his longevity, it's only because of the modern No, no, no. There's something special about him and the way he invests in a body in a way that other players don't. And so I think that's just a bad argument. If you're trying to 
the the longevity argument is a good argument if you're trying to counter that by just saying, well, it's only because of the modern area. That's a bad argument. So I'm, I'm going to give you some pushback. I do agree with you, though. So what about the people who point out the fact that Michael Jordan won his last championship in 98 when he was 34? And, and here's the thing. And then you're going to be like, well, 17 years. Well, he only played those extra years because he came straight out of high school, whereas Michael Jordan had three years of college. Four, four, three years. Three years. Three years of college. So he's coming out at 22, which gives him, which that gives LeBron an extra three years on him to put up numbers and things like that and be first-team All-NBA and things of that nature. So here's what people miss when they say that. One, college minutes are not the same as NBA minutes. And so you can't just add the three years of college minutes like, oh, well, let's pretend he played three more NBA years. No, that's not how that works. It's not even close when you look at the travel and level of play. Two, Jordan missed his entire second year with a broken foot. So that's a whole year of minutes that he did not play. And he left for two years to go play baseball, right? So he has all of these breaks in, in his uh, career where not only is he just not playing the minutes, does he not have the minutes load that LeBron has, but he also was able to use those times to recover. I mean, look at if you look at LeBron th- this year versus where he was last year, we would say that injury break that he had was probably really big for him. So was the three-month layover between sure. the bubble. Yeah, right, because totally when you agree. get to that, when you're, when, you're that, when you're 35, when you're 35, when you have the minutes that he has, that adds a lot, right? And so having those, bre- those breaks means a lot. And so if you're just looking at the age, you don't care about uh, having an actual argument. Yeah. You don't care about actually trying to be smart. You're just trying to be provocative. So if we look at the all-time minutes leaders, and this is where the big thing is, is LeBron is currently at 48,551 minutes played. Um, and so that's just in the regular season. That right? includes his three seasons worth of playoff games. Over three seasons of playoff games. And we know those playoff games are more intense than regular games. And so and he's playing more minutes in those he's games? He's playing more minutes in those games. So he's at 48,000 just in the regular season. Michael Jordan, when he retired, so this is f- when he came back, add in the Wizard seasons, all that kind of stuff, was at 41. And so LeBron's already played 7,000 more regular season minutes, plus the extra playoff minutes that he has over Jordan. And so to say, well, they're both 35, and so they're both the same age, that, that's, that's not, not how it works. the same. Yeah. That is not how it works, and it's not the same. And so don't, don't make that argument either. Okay, and then your, your, other, your other LBJ argument. So, you, li- you like this one, too. I do, and this is one that I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I completely agree with. Okay. So the argument for, for Jordan is that Jordan was a better winner. He's a better competitor. When we watched The Last Dance, that's what we walked away with feeling, right, was that Jordan would not lose. He was insane and maniacal in the way that he went about the game. And if you're trying to argue that Jordan was better than LeBron, you're going to say, well, LeBron doesn't have that, right? Whatever that is, LeBron doesn't have it in the same way I do think that's true that LeBron maybe probably doesn't have that in the same way the argument that upsets me is my six for six never lost right LeVar Ball never lost (laughs) in the finals and so if you are the reason I think that's a bad argument is because if you look at LeBron and his finals record right four and six and people point to that like oh he's a loser he did this my question is is how many finals should he have, right? And if you go through it, he probably should have three or four, right? If you look at who, when he was favored, he's only been favored three times in the finals. Then he has four. That means there was one time 
He won when he wasn't supposed to. He won when he wasn't supposed to. He actually is two times he won when he was supposed to because he did lose one when he was supposed to win. And and that's the biggest Jordan argument is you say, well, 2011 finals, Jordan would never let that happen. And I can't really disagree with that, right? Like, probably not, right? He's probably not scoring eight, eight points in a finals game in the way LeBron did. But I think to say, well, LeBron did that, and so that means he's not a winner. That means he's yeah. not a clutch performer is to f- – just totally erase everything the next else. nine years of what came. That's one of my. That's one of the big things for me. I hate, hate, when a guy has a good game and then people are like, "Oh, this guy's good." And then you know, because every every professional player has their one or two games where they go get thirty and have like eight assists, maybe not eight assists, but like they have these high games and be like, "Oh, I told you such and such was really good." It's like, no, they had one good game. Like LeBron had one bad series. It happens. Let's let's go look at the other. Nine. Right. And, and, the, and the argument is say, well, it never happened for Jordan. And that's true, right? It didn't. In the finals, he never had that bad series. He never, like, there wasn't games or series where he didn't show up. And so I'm not trying to take that away. That was bad from LeBron. Yeah. But I think to then say, well, that was who he was for his whole career is dumb. Like, that's not who yeah. he was. He had a bad series, and he was like, I'm never letting that happen again. And he hasn't. Yeah. Right? And he has absolutely showed out in every single final since then, every playoff since then. Um, and he's won. I mean, the the looked at it right. He won one that he shouldn't have in 2016, and he lost one that he shouldn't have in 2011. Agreed. And so he's probably a wash. Now the the odds say that they were actually the the Thunder were favored in that Miami series, but they weren't. Like te- technically, sure. Here's the thing: neither one of us really have a good enough basketball memory from 2011 to really remember what so, things. I were vividly sane. remember. I vividly remember the Mavericks series just because um, I was a Mavericks fan growing up. Right. But you're right, the Thunder series, I just remember them getting beaten five. Yeah. And, and that's, I think we look back on that and say, oh, they got beaten five. And, you know, Durant and Harden and Westbrook were all young, you know, which is true. But I think we really diminish that Thunder team. Yeah. Because of what the final result ended up being. Agreed. Um, and so I just think to say that, oh, Jordan was a better winner. I do think that's true. I do believe that to be true. But to act like LeBron is just a loser and can't win anything is to ignore the, the everything else. Yeah, the 10 yeah. finals appearances and everything that he's done. Totally agree. So we got like five minutes and <laughs> plot twist. You ready? Mm-hmm. Any and all Michael Jordan, LeBron James debates are stupid. And here's why. Oh, man. Well, we just spent like 30, 20 minutes yeah. talking about how this, but go ahead. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to change anybody's mind. Very, very few people are going to be like, you know what? <laughs> you're right. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You no, know? yeah. I mean, especially, and, and I would say too, I think my mind is open to being changed. I think there are some people whose mind is open to be changed. There, they are few. And F- few and far between. My mind's not open to be changed right now. I, I just want to wait and see what else LeBron does. I mean, if he wins another one, if he goes to 11 finals and wins five, maybe he goes to another Western Conference finals and plays at a high level. Like That longevity and the amount of years that he's done it is going to be hard to argue with. But, yeah, right now I think you're right because you're not changing anybody's mind. No one's changing their mind. They have their mind set up, and they're just going to stick to it no matter what. Yeah, and it's one of those things where like we're splitting hairs at the end of the day. Like We're out here talking about bad finals appearances and things like that, and – you know, at the end of the day, you know, you I think you hit the nail on the head earlier talking about, you know, if you arguing for for LeBron, you appreciate greatness over time whereas if you are if you're arguing for Jordan, 
you 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 argue peak, you right. know, and That's it's just it. it's just which one do you prefer? Right. I'm I'm a peak guy personally, so I mean, but at the same time, like 16 first first 16 all NBA selections, like that's and it's really impressive. Yeah, he might. I don't see a world where he's not all NBA next year, unless he gets hurt. Maybe, but other than that, like he's gonna have more all NBA. I mean, he's probably gonna have one or two more top three NBA M- MVP finishes. I'm trying to think. So theoretically, see that's right. They they do it by forwards. So yeah, he'll he'll get. I was trying to think like, like you but can think, can, but he yeah, can, you can vote for him as a guard. That's the thing. Like the way he <laughs> plays, is especially now. I mean, he led the league in assists this year. He did. Like, and I think as he gets older, in that athleticism, like we're already seeing it decline. But as are you sure his decline, his head's still at the rim? I'm, yeah, his first <laughs> step's a little slower. He's not as close. Whatever. But yeah, I'm just kidding. I do think that. As he as his athleticism starts to decline, when he's thirty eight, he can put up fifteen in ten assists, mm-hmm. and I, you know I could see his shooting improve as he gets older, where he has to kind of work on that, and rely on that more. You know that at thirty eight years old, that's incredible. Yeah, like, and it's going to be weird to see LeBron and him not be the best player on the floor anymore. It is, but that should have happened, like should have in quotes happened four years ago, you know, and he's still here. You know, you know what would be really crazy. Is if he was like the second best player on a bad team, and the best player on the team was his son. Yeah, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> you're you're out on Bronny. I mean, I'm not out on Bronny, but like, <laughs> let's chill out. Hey, dude, if they played together, that would just be insane. Like, I just yeah, like baseball is one thing because you can play baseball for a long time just because just the wear and tear just isn't the same. But basketball. And the fact that he might be still at a decently high level when and they do that. He, it'll be his 22nd year in the league. Yeah. Which is just absurd. I I couldn't. So, is, is that all you got? That's all I got. I think that's all we got. Don't don't be stupid when you're arguing LeBron versus NBA. That's how we'll close. So, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of college football. So, Colt didn't really like my, my Sam Ellinger stuff, which is okay. He's a he's, – he's from Texas. He, he loves the Big 12. And so we're we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to look we're going to look towards this upcoming weekend. The only game that people really care about is what we're going to talk about. So that's coming up next year on Overtime Takes here on KSWH LP 102.5 FM The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. And we're back with more Overtime Takes here on KSWH LP 102.5 FM The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. I'm your host Jonathan Smith with Colts. What's really, up? really good first segment. I yeah, think. Yeah, we had fun. So, yeah. So college football. All right, let's let's get into this. So, if you're listening listening to the show on Monday, I talked about Sam Ellinger and how overrated he is. Okay, and um, I don't think he's as good as what people say, especially guys like Joel Klatt, who just think he's sent from God. I guess <laughs> I don't I don't understand it. So, Colton and I, we we have this very agreeable take that I'm going to kind of use for this. So whenever we watch the Lakers play, we always say the same thing. It's, if Kyle Kuzma played for anybody else, we would never hear from Kyle Kuzma again. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way that I see Sam Ellinger. Like, because he's the quarterback at Texas, we're going to talk about him just because he's the quarterback at Texas. And they're they're pretty f- formidable in, in the Big 12. But if he was the starting quarterback at Iowa State or TCU, I don't think we we wouldn't hear about him. Here's here's my counter to that is that I see Sam Ellinger more as Brandon Ingram. Where did we hear about him more because he was in L.A.? Absolutely. But when he got traded, 
and he went to New Orleans. We still heard about him from time to time because he's that good, where it's like, yeah, we got to talk about this guy. And are we going to talk about him as much because he's not in a big market? No, right? He's not going to be on the forefront. And I don't, if I think if Sam Ellinger was at most other schools, he would not be at the forefront because he wouldn't be playing for Texas. But we would still talk about him. And honestly, people would probably rate him better if he did play somewhere else because he wouldn't have the expectations of being at Texas that he has now. Where if he's, you know, we look at guys like, like Brock Purdy at Iowa State. I look at guys like that. You don't watch the Big 12. And <laughs> you watch him play, and you're like, man, he's, he's, he's pretty, pretty good. good. He is right? good. I've yeah, seen him play. Good. He's like, good. He, he come in there. He can, he can scrap. He can win some games. He beat Oklahoma. But if he was playing for a big-time program, and you have eyes on him every single week, and the expectations of that every single week, you're going to start to find flaws. And you're going to pick, and you're going to find stuff. And so I think if Sam Allinger played at any other school where they had one or two big wins a year and then had four losses to teams that nobody cares about, we would talk about him like, hey, you know, hey, I got Sam Allinger. I kind of like him, right? Because all we see is those couple of primetime games. And when they lose, it's like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's... It's, it's, it's Iowa State. Right, it's Colorado State. That's, what, that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. And so I do, I do want to give you pushback on that. But, but go ahead, continue. So Colt the other night was like, List quarterbacks who are better than Sam Ellinger. I was not prepared. Yeah, I put you on the spot. I am totally. I'm. I'm pretty prepared now. You're not, you're not going to agree agree with every name. So my biggest knock on Sam Ellinger, because I think that the most important attribute for a quarterback is the ability to be accurate, right? Because like if you're not accurate, guy, guys can be wide open. Your coach can call the greatest play, but if you're not accurate, you can completely ruin a play, right? So I'm. I'm. I'm going to go down my my list here. Colts over typing on his computer. I'm kind of worried. <laughs> so, no question, Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback. Justin Fields, you're not. You hate when I say his name, but I don't know why. Trey Lance from, from North Dakota State. He's he's number three quarterback on the draft board. He's going to sure. be the third guy off the board. De'Aaron King from Miami, and you're going to look at his overall numbers and be like, Jonathan, what are you talking about? Let's keep in mind he he played Clemson this last week, and Clemson. Probably has the top five defense in the country, and he really he really struggled because he played Clemson, and his numbers still look really similar to Sam Ellinger's, who's played the great defense of TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and UTEP. Ne- next guy, Mac Jones. I think you would agree. W- would you agree on that one? Yeah, yeah. Eighty um, percent completion percentage, which is just absurd. Thirteen point three yards per attempt to Sam Ellinger's eight and a half. Oh, by the way, Sam Ellinger's completion percentage is, what, 61%? And then if you take out the UTEP game, it's 57%. In the UTEP game, he completed 75% of his passes. Next guy. You probably haven't heard of this guy. His name is Sam Howell, starting quarterback in North Carolina. True freshman year, he set a record for passing touchdowns with 38. Um, this year, he's got a, he's just under 70% for his completion percentage with 9.5 yards per attempt. That's that's quickly becoming one of my favorite stats because I like guys who who push the ball down the field. This next guy, Matt Coral, starting quarterback at Ole Miss. Have you seen him play? No. He I've is seen highlights, but I haven't seen a game. So good. Okay, now part of it, if you want to say, well, he is in Lane Kiffin's offense, fair. Sam Ellinger is in Herman's offense, who's I wouldn't say he's as good of an offensive mind as Lane Kiffin, but still a really good offensive coach. So <laughs> Matt Corral's completing 76% of his passes with a 12.3 yards per attempt. So he's really pushing it downfield, hitting guys open, pl- playing in the, in the SEC, putting up 48 on Alabama. Um, this next guy, I'm fully expecting some pushback here. Max Duggan, starting quarterback at TCU. No. 
Did you watch the the TCU Texas game? Yes. I would say he outplayed Sam Ellinger in that game. Yeah, that was one of Sam Ellinger's worst games he's ever played. Sure. Like on the at Sam Ellinger's worst, he was able to beat him. Congratulations. So he's got a higher co- co- completion percentage this year, and, and he can run the ball. He he can move. You know, Sam Ellinger obviously the better runner, but I think when we look at quarterbacks, the first thing we should look at is their ability to throw the football because that's what they're there to do. And I think I think Max Duggan throws the ball better than Sam Ellinger. Simple as that. Okay. <laughs> and then I, I got one more guy for you. Zach Wilson, starting quarterback at BYU. Looked really good this year. 81% completion percentage, 12.3 yards per attempt, eight touchdowns to one pick. I mean, that's just the way it is. And go ahead, and I, I, I feel like I, I know what you're going to say. Go no, ahead. I'm going to really frustrate you and okay. ignore that's all fine. of that. That's so, fine. And ignore all of that? What is the comparison that Sam Ellinger gets that you hate the most? Tim Tebow. Can't Tim stand Tebow. it. And why? Because Tim Tebow is... Partially, maybe he's. I think he's one of the five greatest college football players ever. So, first of all, it is unfair that we compare sure. Sam Ellinger. But at the same time, body build, the way they play, right? Very fair. Yeah. Continue. And, and I'm not going to disagree with that, right? Like Ellinger is nowhere close to the level of Tebow yeah. as a college player. I don't think anyone would argue that. Yeah. Play styles are similar. When we were talking about this, what did you say was a big differential between Tim Tebow and Sam Ellinger? I believe you said it, and you talked about t- talent around the guys. Talent around the guys, but why do you think T- Tebow was a lot better than Ellinger? You said something the other day. Completion percentage. He, completion was, percentage. he was more accurate. Right, he was more accurate. I think his worst year he was at 67% completion percentage. His best year he was at 69 So Tim Tebow's junior year. last, and, and I'm using junior year because that was Ellinger's last full season that we've seen. Yeah, and... Tim Tebow's junior year was also his worst year. That's the year that they went 9-4, right? Tim Tebow, junior year, 64% completion percentage. Sam Ellinger, junior year, 65% completion percentage. Okay. So to argue that, now that was Ellinger's best year, and that was Tebow's worst year, okay? So that's true. But Ellinger's at 64%, 65%, 61%. Tebow is at 64%, 66%. There is not this massive gap between who Tim Tebow was as a passer and who Sam Ellinger was as a passer. And you built your entire argument last night around this idea of completion percentage. And those Tim Tebow What's Florida there? teams were absolutely loaded okay. with talent. I knew you were going to say that. In a way that Texas isn't. Okay, so let's, let's, let's take a look at Texas recruiting class rankings over the past four years. 2017, the year that Sam Ellinger came in. So 2017, it wasn't great. Number 25 in the country. 2018, number three. 2019, number three. And then 2020, the guys who are freshmen this year who aren't really playing, number eight. Who's the number one receiver on Texas? I don't watch Texas enough to tell you. Yeah, you couldn't say. And here's Who's the, thing. the best receiver that Texas has put in the NFL in the last five years? I don't watch Texas, so I couldn't Devin tell you. Devin Duvernay, maybe. Six-round pick to the Ravens, whose best play has been a kickoff return. <laughs> right? And, and so, yeah, you can talk about the recruiting classes all you want. And did they get great high school players? Sure. Does that always translate? No. And I think that Fair. has a lot to do with their inability to kind of develop players, which is a problem that people have. But, but here's the thing. The coaching staff at Texas. Could that not – I mean, look, at the end of the day, playing wide receiver is a dependent position. position. So if your quarterback doesn't hit you in stride, if they don't throw the ball accurately, you're not going to put up the same numbers. Yes, but when when draft scouts are way better than just looking at stats when they're looking at drafting players and evaluating players, they're able to separate who has a great quarterback and who doesn't, and are they still good, do they run their routes well, all that kind of stuff. That's why we see guys from D2 schools get drafted is because it's not about who your quarterback is in that evaluation. So are their stats going to be the same if their quarterback isn't as great? No. 
I would counter, if you don't have any good receivers, it's really hard to get the ball to them because they're not open. Unless and you play so, unless you play in the Big 12 where defense is an option. Defenses aren't as good. I'm and, not going to counter that. And look, here's the, here's the thing I will say about Sam Ellinger that I really like. When he gets in the red zone, they score touchdowns. Yes. That, that is the one thing that I love about, about him. You think he's thrown 14 touchdown passes this year? So obviously his receivers have the ability to get open. You know what I just realized as we're having this argument? What's up? You're you are a Lamar is a running back guy. That's, I'm not that's a who Lamar you is are. A running and the back reason guy. I say this is because you you're looking at the full package of who Ellinger is, and you say, "Hey, we're just going to ignore all the awesome and look, running he, stuff." He for is a, a good runner, and we're just going to look at his okay. worst trait, okay. and we're going to evaluate him on that. Okay, and you're ignoring the running. You're so, ignoring the leadership. You're ignoring what he brings to the team in the locker room. You're ignoring how people rally around him and what he does for the for for the university. Okay, so do, you're do ignoring we all at, of that to say, "Well, he doesn't do this one thing well," and so I'm going to just okay. Him. So do, do we want to look at uh, Sam Ellinger's rushing stats against Tim Tebow's? I'm not look. We we've been over this. I'm not telling you Ellinger is Tim Tebow, right? Like that's not the argument. And that's He's not on that level. I'm just saying, you were you were claiming that he's this terrible passer and that he's, he's these terrible completion percentages. He's not. A, and that's he's, just not true. He's not accurate. Like his like you play in the Big Twelve with a with an offensive head coach, who's who's recruited well, and your completion percentage is like. Sixty-one percent. Okay, oh, here's four he, games in. To be fair, sure. But his best. You said his best year was only sixty-four percent. So here's here's how I know that I'm right, okay. and that Sam Ellinger is actually good. Who is your least favorite NFL team? My least favorite, probably the Patriots. I can't stand the Patriots. Who's your second least favorite NFL team? Uh, I don't know, man. Um, I'm leading you into this, and you see it, and you just don't. Probably want to go the. There. It's the Dallas Cowboys. You okay, do yeah, not you're like right. the Dallas like Cowboys. The Cowboys. You hate right. the Cowboys. They are your least favorite NFL team <laughs> over the Patriots. Okay. Don't even lie. It's the Cowboys. I can't stand the Patriots. Who is right. one of your least favorite college football teams? the university of texas you really don't like them for whatever reason that i don't understand it's fine so which quarterback have you railed against in the nfl all year dak prescott which quarterback in the in in college football (laughs) have you railed against all year sam ellinger this has nothing to do with who those guys are as players you hate texas and you hate dallas and so you're just going to argue that they're bad because that's just this weird agenda that you have that you can't see through that's what's happening hey i like dak Okay, I just don't think he's a superstar. I, I've I've said that Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback. See, you're doing the same thing here. Like, look, I'm not saying Sam Ellinger is bad. I'm just saying that there's like a lot of other guys. I'm just I saying. Take above him. I'm and just you're saying. Doing the same thing with Dak. This this is fine. I'm it's just, fine. I just, just want saying. you to admit that you're not seeing things clearly because you hate their team so much. I'm I'm just saying that. <laughs> oh, you're funny, man. I'm so glad I had you on today. <laughs> okay. Hold up. I, I, I gotta you got regroup. nothing to say. You got nothing to say because you don't so, want to admit it, but you know I'm right. It's fine. But you know it's I'm fine. right. Like There are several quarterbacks across the, across college football that you would take before you took Sam Ellinger. Okay, yeah. I would probably take eight eight of those guys above Sam Ellinger. Like that, that's my point. And guys cool, talk so about... so he's in the top 5% of quarterbacks in college football. I hope Whoop so. He plays he's, not this, he's not an amazing... He's not one of the top three guys. And, like, it's like, fine, but to say that he's is, not good is just... You're, you're lying to yourself. And... The other thing for me is when you start. So for me, I I look at stuff because my view of college sports is a little bit different. Like you want to win, obviously that's the thing. But at the end of the day, like if you're playing college football, your goal is is to get to the NFL. Like that is sure. And so that's really kind of the lens that I look through it. And guys like Joel Klatt, I hate his Sam Ellinger stuff. Who think that he's going to stick around and be play playing the NFL for 10, 12 years are wrong. Like he's he's going to get drafted in the fifth or sixth round. Be around for three years at most, and then he'll he'll be done. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't think he's going to be great. And in the same way that Tebow wasn't, right? And Tebow is the yeah. best, best version of Ellinger, and he couldn't make it in the NFL. And so I don't think Ellinger is either. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. But I'm just saying what he brings to a college team, I think you're underrating some of the stuff that goes under the radar a little bit. I think when you look at him as a leader and what he's that is, to that I, I will admit, I am terrible at looking at stuff like that. I just kind of look at what's on the field. It's the same thing with basketball. That's one of the things that I don't acknowledge enough of with guys like LeBron James and guys like that. So I, I told that's totally fair. Yeah, I, I think that he he means more to that university than probably anyone since Colt McCoy, right? I don't think that's arguable. And I would agree with that. that yeah, young. I think that he has given that team an identity. I think he's given the University of Texas football program an identity, and I think that you know when you think of that, you think, hey, that that's a guy, right? And he may not be the best guy, but he's a guy, and we like yeah. our guy. And I think that means a lot to a college football program in a way that a lot of teams don't have. They don't have their guy at the quarterback position, and Texas knows they do. Oh, uh, I, I forgot one name. <laughs> Felipe Franks. Oh, no. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, Cole doesn't like Felipe Franks. It's okay. He's just a hog hater. I didn't like him <laughs> in Florida. All right, anyway. Uh, um, so uh, enough of Sam Ellinger. Um, that was fun. That's some of the most fun I've had in a while. Um, we're going to look at two games. You know, the first one's the big one. Really the only game that I think people across the country really care about. Uh, number two, Alabama playing at number three, Georgia. D- do you know the line for this? I don't. Do you, you want to take a guess? This is according to, to Fox Bet. Um, it's at Georgia. Mm-hmm. I'm still probably going to take Alabama. Alabama by one and a half. Alabama by six. Wow. I know. I was, I know. Then again, it's early. It'll probably come down a little bit, I would assume. But still, I was like, what? See, Alabama's a six point favorite. I like Alabama to win. I don't think they'll win by six, but it's going to be a good game. At the end of the day, how how much of Georgia and Alabama have you seen? Um, Not a ton. Okay. So, So, what what I would say about this, and and the reason I think I would pick Alabama, and it's the reason that. I was kind of riding with the Patriots this year was with everything that's happened this offseason, when you look at the amount of turnover that you have in a college football team, you need as much continuity as you can. And I know Georgia's been there, you know, that Kirby Smart's been there for a little while. But when you look at, okay, well, who can reload and get things set year after year after year? Nick Saban. No one's better than Saban. And so I figured that Alabama would come out well. And and I think we've seen the same thing with Clemson, where some of these other teams – Pretty much every other team has struggled in some way, even Georgia, right? We've seen them not play well in the first halves of Against back-to-back Arkansas. games now. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's Alabama. I think as the year goes on, some of these other teams will start to figure things out and yeah. will be strong at the end of seasons. I think if Alabama and Georgia play the last game of the season, this would probably be a closer line, and I might take Georgia. But this early, like, it's got to be Bama. So I've seen almost every minute that Georgia has played this year, and I really like Georgia. Georgia's a really good football team. But Kirby Smart just doesn't get it. Like, he just can't wrap his mind around the fact that in order to win and to win a national championship, you have to run a spread offense, and you have to have a dynamic quarterback. And, like, Stetson Bennett's great. He's out here doing it for guys like me who are who are shorter than six foot. You know, he's accurate. He's very poised. You can tell he's an upperclassman. You can tell he's played a lot of college football. But... He's not dynamic. He doesn't throw the ball 60 yards downfield. You know, he's going to hit guys on third down when it's third and four 
10 yards down the field. And they just don't they don't push it down the field enough, especially to beat a defense like Alabama's where you have to hit them over the top and hit those money balls, you know. And I like Stetson Bennett. He's tough. And he plays hard. But I like Mac Jones more. I like Alabama's offense as a whole more just because they spread it out and they, they throw the football better. And whereas Georgia, I think, can be a little too run dependent. Now, I will say, I do think Georgia's defense is better than Alabama's this year. So we'll see. But I think it's going to be a really good game. I don't think it's going to – I think it's going to be a field goal game either way. But I, I like Alabama. So the only thing is I'd say, like, Georgia, yeah, they don't have that kind of quarterback. I don't think that's necessarily Kirby F- Smart not getting it because who is the most dynamic quarterback in college football? Probably. It's Justin Fields. Yeah. Where was M- Justin Fields? Most dynamic. Kirby? Yeah. Georgia. Georgia, right? Like, I think he saw that. I think he saw that he needed it. He just wasn't able to keep his guy. Yeah, and then, you know, they they, tra- they played that wretched freshman against Arkansas, and he was – you could tell, you know, he was like 6'5", can run, and he just wasn't he's, – he's, he's just not ready yet. He's freshman. Just yeah, not ready. He's, so, he's young. I think they'll get there. But, yeah, they, they don't have that guy right now, and I do think that's going to be a problem for him. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw JT Daniels at some point, honestly, especially if, you know, they come out, they get – you know, they go down 14-0. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw him. He was, he was good at USC. Yeah. You know, and then Jamie Newman, is that his name, from Wake Forest? You know, he was a guy who opted out. I, I like your theory on that. That's You can go ahead and tell him because it's it's a good one. Yeah, so basically when I see a guy transfer in to a program like Georgia, and Georgia the whole time never wavered that they were going to play in the fall, and we see a guy like Jamie Newman opt out because he wants to prepare for the NFL draft, what that tells me is that he wasn't going to be a starter. And it's better for him to opt out and get ready for the draft than it is for scouts to be like, wow, he couldn't even beat, be the best quarterback on his team. You know? yeah. And so I think that says that he wasn't going to be the guy and that you know, either JT Daniels or this other guy was going to be the guy, and he knew that, so he wanted to leave. Yep, couldn't agree more. So last game we're going to talk about, we are going to talk about the Arkansas Miss game just because we are in Arkansas, and that's just what, kind of what you do on the radio. What do you think the line is here? I, I, I like this, this this guess the line thing. Shout um, out to, to Bill Simmons. <laughs> Old Miss by seven and a half. The disrespect. <laughs> Old Miss by two and a half. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought no. I was disrespecting Old Miss. I'm sorry. O, Ole Miss by two and a half. Uh I'm I'm excited. Honestly, I think excluding I think this is Arkansas's toughest game, excluding Georgia, just because of the offense that Lane Kiffin does have, and they did just put 48 up on Nick Saban in Alabama, yep. even though apparently Lane Kiffin had their defensive signs, yeah, according to knows. Nick Saban. He, he he took pictures but before he left of everything on the wall. Oh, that's, that's, sure. that's what he did. Yeah, and they just haven't changed him in however many years. Yeah, that's right. That's them. right. <laughs> you deserve to have your sign stolen if that's what happened. And so I'm excited to see Barry Odom. You know, he's definitely, I think, the front runner for the – Royals Award, top top assistant coach in the country. I think Sam Pittman is up for SEC Coach of the Year, just because. Let's be honest, they're a blown, they're a missed call away from beating Auburn and, and being ranked in the top twenty-five. Sure, he has to actually win some games, though. Right? Agreed. Like Agreed. having a lot of close losses is not going to be enough. To oh yeah. There. Then again, like we're only we're only three games in. I think you know they'll they'll be fine if they go five and five. I, I think he'll win it, just because of how bad Arkansas was last year. So, yeah, um, I'm going to pick Arkansas just because heart, heart over brain. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking Ole Miss. <laughs> you just I think they're going to hang? I need to elaborate much more. Yeah, Ole Miss is going to put 50 on Arkansas. Hey, man. 
We'll see. Yeah, we will. Hey, but what if Arkansas scores 56? The offense looked good last week against Auburn. For the first time ever. Took a big step. And then, you know, they're playing maybe the worst defense in the SEC and Ole Miss. Yeah, not, a, not a great defense. So, we'll see. I'm excited for it. But, all right. That's going to do it for this segment. When we come back, we're going to talk NFL. Justin Herbert, my guy. <laughs> and... um Le'Veon Bell was released. We're going to do our, our top 10 NFL teams, things of that nature. So so don't go anywhere. This is Overtime Takes on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse, here in Arkadelphia. What's up, everybody? We're back with more Overtime Takes here on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse, here in Arkadelphia. All right. So as we move into our, our NFL segment, I'm just going to get out of your way, and I'm going to give you a couple minutes to gloat and to – Say you called your shot. Because here's the thing. Last year, John loved Justin Herbert in college. And over and over and over again, he told me how Justin Herbert was going to be this great player and he's going to be a good NFL player and he had this big arm. And I really didn't believe it. Like, I thought he might be there. I thought he was kind of Josh Allen-y to me where it's like he had the tools to to get there, but it's probably going to take him a while. I'm just going to end there. So go ahead, John. Tell us tell us what we need to know about so Justin what, what Cole's trying to say is that I should quit radio and go be an NFL scout and scout quarterbacks for a living. <laughs> Not even close to what I'm saying. So, yeah. So I was on Justin Herbert early last year. So there's just – so last year I had the opportunity to go watch Oregon play Auburn in week one. And it was like the first time I'd really seen Justin Herbert play. And you walk out. And you know how like when you go to a high school game, there's the guy who's really good and you just know it. Like he's taller than everybody else. He's just – bigger and he's kind of got this swagger that you just know like like that that's their guy and Justin Herbert walks out on the field at 6-6 and it's towering over everybody and you could just tell like this dude's really good right and so you know you, you, they they outplay the they outplay Auburn in the first three and a half quarters and I'm like this Justin Herbert guy like I'm I'm in on this dude and you know the arm the arm strength is there he's got the size he's really athletic right I remember when they played when they played in the Rose Bowl last year, he he rushed for three, for three touchdowns, and I text Cole after everyone like touchdown Justin Herbert. He was like, "It's a rushing touchdown, nobody cares." But then you know we we talk about Sam Ellinger. That's all he wants to talk about. But but anyway, anyway, yeah, I'm just purposely trying to annoy you, and, and <laughs> I did well. And um, yeah, he's he he's he's willing to throw it. You know, that's one of the things that you know listening to <clears throat> some different podcasts and stuff where they where they bring scouts on. Is like they they look for guys who are not afraid to let the ball go, you know, guys who throw with anticipation and things like that. And that's one of the things that we've really seen these these first few weeks. And look, like he just went toe to toe with Drew Brees, you know, um, he went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. So like he's, you know, they get some better pieces around him. You know, I think you know they improve the defense. You know, they the Chargers definitely have their franchise quarterback. I love him. He's awesome. I'm trying not to be jealous because Tua hadn't played yet for Miami. At the same time, because like if two ends up being bad, and and you know Justin Herbert's out there doing that, it's always going to be a, a what if thing. So yeah, I I love Justin Herbert. He's awesome. Yeah, he's played amazing. When you watch him in college, I don't think we kind of realized until later that he just didn't have a lot of talent around him, which is weird to say at Oregon. It is to them being loaded at at kind of skill positions, but they didn't have that. And so yeah, him getting to the NFL, man, he showed out, and, and he's been awesome, and it's been fun to watch. And he's another one of these young guys that. Man, it's just fun to to watch him play because he he's dynamic. He can absolutely you know he's a cannon for an arm. He'll move. He'll run. Like he's a lot of fun, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see him and, and Mahomes kind of duel for the next you know seven eight years in that division. Yeah, it kind of sucks for him, man, because if he was in like 
I don't know, Anywhere any other division starters. where he yeah. didn't have to play Mahomes twice a year. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's really good. I love watching him play. I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of the future with him because he's – obviously you know, he won't be the best quarterback in the league as long as Patrick Mahomes is around. But he definitely has – I like him more than Joe Burrow. That being said, Joe Burrow's offensive line is bad. I, what is, I would think you would agree that the talent in, in almost at San Diego, talent in Los Angeles around Herbert is definitely better. Whereas, you know, I, I like Joe Burrow. He's tough. But I just think in terms of talent, arm strength, things like that, I think you probably would take Herbert, right? So, so basically you're saying that he's really good. He's not going to be that top-level guy that Mahomes is going to be. But he's going to be around, and he's going to be fun to watch on Sundays. He's going to be there. You're talking about Herbert or Burrow? Yeah, Herbert. Herbert is going to be wonder. Like... I wonder who that sounds like. It's almost – is he Is he Phil Rivers? <laughs> No, he's gonna. I think like he's like top five quarterback in the league kind of guy at some point. Yeah, Rivers was at some points. Yeah, but not. It's not the same. I'm just kidding. You know, he's not, not gonna be <laughs> But yeah, so I, I think you know he's got potential to be the best quarterback out of this draft class. I think he's he's that good. So he's awesome. I love watching him play. So it was nice watching him throw for four touchdowns on Monday Night Football and then throw an absolute dime to Mike Williams and then their kicker put it off the upright. Missed it. That's just like typical Chargers football. That's what that is. That's why he's Phil Rivers. <laughs> okay. The ghost of Phil Rivers still <laughs> haunting the Chargers. <laughs> so um, we're going to move on to Le'Veon Bell. He was released last night by the Jets. So I've got three possible landing spots. Do, do you have any? Mm, go for it. So number one, or not number one, these are just three teams. The Bears. You know, the Bears are probably the surprise of the NFL. I still think they're smoking mirrors. Wouldn't surprise me if they went out and picked him up. They they need a running back. That may help Nick Foles a little bit. So I, I I wouldn't mind seeing him there. I think he'd be a good fit there. I've read a lot of Steelers stuff, but there's no way that the Steelers are gonna no shot. No way. So let's just get let's just get that out of the way. Of uh, the next team, speaking you know, we were just talking about Justin Herbert, the Chargers. Austin Eckler's on the IR. They need a running back. That may help Justin Herbert, especially a guy like Le'Veon Bell who can catch the ball out of the backfield and things like that. They need a running back. They could definitely go sign him. But I don't know if I like this one or not because they don't pay running backs. That's why they let Melvin Gordon go. So I don't – not fully in on that one, but we'll we'll see. And this is probably the one that if I had to put money on it, I would probably pick the Bills. Bills need a running back. Their two, two backs combined are averaging under four yards a carry. They're not great. They're not bad. They're just kind of meh. You know, and you know, you're not paying Josh Allen anything right now. They can definitely afford to pay him. And with the way that, you know, that Bill's staff is, like they want to run the football, they want to establish a ground game, especially being up north where it's cold and when it gets cold it's kinda of, it gets tougher to throw the ball. Unless you're Josh Allen, you can throw the ball hundred you can chuck it, but anyway. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing him end up in Buffalo. I think I think it'd help Josh Allen too in terms of open, opening up the pass game when you have to come into the box for a guy like Le'Veon Bell. So I, I would really like to see him end up in Buffalo. And they're a team that wants to win. They are. and like they're that, that wants to win now, and that's what kind of move you make for Le'Veon Bell. So here's here's my response to all of that. Okay. I don't care. So <laughs> I just – I haven't cared about Le'Veon Bell in like three years. And well, he, he's a problem. I, I, don't even, I don't even care. It's not even the, the off-the-field stuff for me. It's he's not the same guy anymore. He's just not. And like, yeah, the Jets are terrible, and their organization is atrocious. But – he, he hasn't been a great player for them since he got there. There's a reason that they're cutting him and, and, get, and taking some of that contract is because he's just not a special player anymore. And so 
Yeah, if he goes to the Bills, great. That'll help him. But I don't care. I'm, we're not going to be watching his highlights. We're not going to be talking. The only reason we talk about him is because of what he was, not because of who he is. And so you're getting him for who he is now, and that's a pretty good running back. But I think sure. there's a lot of pretty good running backs in the league. So my thing is him not being good good with the Jets completely supports my, my running back theory. It is, it's not who your running back is. It's who your offensive line is. Worst offensive line in the league, Cincinnati Bengals. Second worst offensive line in the league, New York Jets. And yeah, but Joe Mixon's pretty good. You're right. That's how, that's how I'd counter that. He's pretty good. I think it's probably more of a scheme thing than it necessarily is a line thing. Yeah, that's fair. But it's just it's one of these things where, at the end of the day, if you get your average run-of-the-mill running back and, you, and your offensive line creates holes, if they're in the NFL, they can probably see the hole. You know, maybe they're not as good in space. Maybe they don't catch the balls well out of the backfield and things like that. But at the end of the day, like, remember when Zeke Zeke held out? No, it wasn't that year. Maybe he got hurt. And they, they put in Pollard, and they didn't really miss a beat. Like, I just think that it's more about your big guys up front than it is who you have standing behind your quarterback. Yeah, it's about scheme. It's about all that kind of stuff. And that's why you're, we're moving towards this don't pay running backs type deal. Unless... It's you know, Alvin you, Kamara or, or Aaron Jones. Or like Derrick Henry. And you can pay him smartly, right, as long as you don't overpay for him. But, yeah, yeah so with Le'Veon Bell, yeah, I don't, I don't really care where he goes. So we're going to move into our, our top ten teams. I'm excited for this. So there's one team I'm interested to see if you put on your top ten. I know I didn't put them there. So I'm interested to see if you put them on or not. So I'll, 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 I'll allow you to go first. You got it. So I'm just going to react to yours. To, okay. to your top ten. That's fair. So and and, and it, off it, it's it's much more fun just to me to say you're wrong or you're right without having to make my own list. Uh, right. And so we're we're gonna do that. So I have to ask you then: Do you think I put the the, the Raiders on my list? Because that that was the team I was kind of interested to see interested to see if you put on there or not. I would not have. I didn't either. But I would be ready to put them on there. They're like shortly. eleven or twelve. Yeah. So you're like. So you're like you're on the you're on the pool floating. I'm on the floating. You're, you're, you're getting ready to turn I'm over. Flowing. I can turn over and get in if I need to, but I'm not there yet. No, like their 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 win loss record. I mean they they have a losing record, but they're they're, they're three and two. Oh, they're three and two. I yeah. two and three. So they and even those two losses are two good teams, right? Like none of their opponents Patriots. are under 500. And so every yeah. game they play is a team that's better than 500. They played good teams, and those losses they have had been pretty close. Yeah. And so I do think they are way better than we were expecting them to be. I think John Gruden is a lot better than we were expecting him to be. Like he was a meme a year ago, year and a half ago. But I don't think I would have him in the top ten yet. We'll have yeah, to see. I, I agree. So number ten, you're not going to like this one, but that's okay. Number ten, I have the, the, the New England Patriots. I just don't – I'm waiting on Cam to, to be Cam. And may, maybe he won't be Cam. Well, he has COVID, so. Well, you, you know what I mean. Like, I'm kind of waiting on – because, look, like he had the one great year when he won MVP and then went to the Super Bowl – but every year outside of that has been pretty average. Maybe, you know, towards the end of his time in Carolina, he was, he was bad, I think you would even say. So I'm just kind of waiting on – he won't be that bad, obviously, under Belichick and guys and Josh McDaniels. But I'm just ex- kind of waiting on his level of play to come down a little bit. And I think when that happens, we'll be like, yeah, they're a good team, but they're not a top-five team in the NFL. Cam, the reason he was bad at the end of Carolina was he just had injuries mounting upon injuries, and it seems like that's not as much of a factor anymore. Yeah. And so 
I do think he's going to be a lot better than that. I think the 2015 Cam was kind of an aberration. I don't think that's who he is. I don't expecting that from him. I'm not, not either. Fair. Yeah. I do think he's very good. I yeah. think, especially with a play caller as talented as Josh McDaniels, his ability to run, which they've shown they're going to use, adds a adds a good dimension. But I mean, the reason that I would think that you should have them higher is they played the Chiefs pretty well. They did. With and that's, Ryan Hoyer and Stidham, and they threw three picks that game. And it was still not a bad game. And so I think if Cam is in there, I think that defense is still really good. It is. I would have them higher. Um, but until we see a little – I can understand you wanting to see a little more from Cam before you buy in. And the other thing is, you know, I just think that they, they don't have – they don't have a guy on the outside, you know. Like they don't have an Odell Beckham. They don't have. They don't have anybody even close to that, you know. Like, can, can you name a single receiver outside of J- Julian Edelman on that team? Nikhil, you probably can. Nikhil Harry. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's my concern with them as well. It's just they don't have a guy on the outside, and I just feel like you need that, you know. This this just gets back to what I said about Alabama with that continuity, right? If you had to pick one coach to say, who do I want to be in charge of my team, not only preparing them after COVID but throughout COVID, it's Bill Belichick. Brian and, Flores, but okay. No. And his ability to get things figured out. and so Dan Quinn. That's why I was higher on him <laughs> than I was on anybody on any other team just because of not the talent, not any of that, but it's like, hey, I trust that guy more than I trust anybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. So number nine – Front runner for coach of the year, the Cleveland Browns. Kevin Stefanski, perfect fit with the way that he wants to run his offense and the way that the Cleveland offense needs to be ran. They need to line it up. They need to run the football. He's done a better job these past couple weeks of getting guys like Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham involved, which you got to get guys who are that explosive involved in your offense. Baker looks is the best we've seen from Baker. Then again, we're only four weeks, five weeks in. They're four and one, so. Yeah, they're. I, I really like the Browns. They have an elite pass rusher in Miles Garrett, who's playing out of his mind. And that's the other thing with New England; they don't have one guy. You know, and I feel like most. I mean, their defense is still really good. They just don't have their that one guy that you'd be like, "Hey, it's third down. We got two minutes left. I I need you to make a play." Whereas I feel like most of the teams, not all of them, but most of the teams in front of them have have a guy like that. So yeah, with the Browns, the Browns are hard for me. And there's another team later on this list that's going to be hard for me too. Because I was high on them last year and let me down, and that hurt. And so I'm scarred from the Browns. <laughs> okay. They hurt me emotionally, and I'm not over it yet. And so it's hard for me to completely buy in, but I want to. I want to believe in this team. I want them to be good. I think the NFL is more fun when they're good. I think people, after last year, people loving the Browns, I think people are back to kind of hating the Browns, and I yeah. think it's fun. I think it's fun to have a villain. Um, Which the NFL doesn't really have this year. No, because even the Patriots are like, well, Cam's there. That's kind of fun. And, yeah. And they're kind of an underdog, and that's kind of fun. And so, yeah, I think the the Browns are really our only chance at a villain. Uh, Especially with the personalities that they have. Right, right. And I think they will embrace that role really well. I do. They get the, I think it fits them better. It does. Than the darling that they were last year. Yep. And so. Yeah, I want them to be good. I think it'd be fun. I think that'd make that division a lot more fun because that's a tough division. That man. may be the best division in football this year it with all the injuries loaded. mounting up yeah. in, in the yeah. NFC West. So speaking of that division, number eight, this team actually plays the Browns this week, and I think they're going to win. That's why I have them ahead. The, the Steelers. Now, I will say, Steelers' combined opponent's record is 315-1. and 
So, yeah, we're, we're really going to kind of find out this is this is strength on strength. This is maybe the best front seven in the NFL against the best rushing offense in the NFL. So that's going to be a fun matchup to kind of watch. Big Ben isn't making mistakes. You know, he's just kind of managing the game. Uh, Chase Claypool, I, I won't say I called it yet because it's just one game, but he's definitely shown flashes that I know he was capable of. Here's the thing. If the Steelers draft a receiver, just pretend that you've loved him forever because he's going to be amazing. They always hit on because receivers. Because that's what the Steelers do, is they draft receivers in the second to fourth round, and they are absolutely incredible. Like, that's what happened with Juju. Yep. That's what happened with AB, got him in the sixth round. So, like, if the Steelers draft a receiver, just go ahead, buy the jersey, and, like, put a picture of it on Instagram. That way you had the receipts, and you'd be like, well, I told you from the beginning I was, I was on this guy. And, like, you don't have to know what college you went to. It's fine. Like, just as long <laughs> as you can prove – Hey, I was on this guy. Do you know where, where Chase Claypool played in college? You should. It's not hard. Yeah. No, <laughs> you don't know? <laughs> Notre Dame. I, Notre Dame. Yeah, so I thought I was Notre Dame, and then I almost said Michigan, but that's down for People's Jones. And I was like, wait, no, that that's the Michigan guy. And I kind of blanked there for a second. But, yeah, Notre Dame. So um, <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Steelers at 8, 7, the Buccaneers. You know, they got – Exposed a little bit Thursday night football. Maybe that offensive line isn't as good as we thought. Then again, Khalil Max not an easy guy to block. So Trist- Tristan Wirfs got destroyed by him, which we were kind of waiting on. You know, he's had a really tough go at it these first few weeks, and he's played pretty well. But yeah, and then man, Tom Brady. D- did you see the eye roll when he looks up and sees Khalil Max sacked him again? <laughs> so the Bucks, we knew their problem was going to be the offensive line coming into the season. And as much as everybody talked about how Brady didn't have weapons in New England, his ability to kind of throw guys open and figure things out, the weapons are going to be less of an issue for him as they are going to be a lot of other quarterbacks. The problem with Brady is he doesn't move very well anymore. He's old. He doesn't want to get hit. Right? That's the problem, which means you need to have a good offensive line to maximize Brady, and the Bucks don't have that. And so as much as he has all these wonderful toys to play with, I think he would rather have a really good offensive line than the weapons that he has. And so that was my worry coming into the season, just where he's at, the way he plays. And I've been kind of out on the Bucks. People have talked when they got Brady, when they got, well, Gronk, but no one took yeah. him seriously. People were talking about them as Super Bowl contenders. I like them. I just didn't see it. I, I like their I think, defense. I think Brady is not the guy I mean we all know he's not the guy he was but I'm not sure he's the guy that can really elevate in the same way yeah and because that offensive line is bad it worries me well the defense is good I like their defense obviously you know weapons are really good you know I was talking about it I believe on Monday about how I think part of the reason why we're seeing the interceptions and stuff is because he's spreading the ball out too much because he has so many weapons like Mike Evans should have more more receptions than the third best receiver on the roster, and like it shouldn't really be close. Like Mike Evans should have 100 receptions, and the third best receiver should have between 50 and 60, you know. And then maybe Godwin has somewhere between 80 and 90, you know. So th- those that's I think the problem. I think that's why he's throwing so many interceptions. And yeah, the offensive line got dominated by the Bears. I didn't realize how good that Bears defense was. Like I knew it was good, didn't realize it was that good. Speaking of which, would you have the Bears in your top ten? They're, they are. They're four and one. They're four and one. Yeah, I was about to ask where they're where they're at in here. No, 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 I'm still sitting in my room. I still have my sweater on. We're still eating cookie dough, yeah. watching movies. I'm still out on the Bears. <laughs> yep, me too. Uh, number six, 
even though they got absolutely destroyed last night, I still have the Bills here. I think they're better than all those teams that I listed. The quarterback, you know, Josh Allen, he, he threw two picks last night. First one was not his fault. Second one definitely was. He had some other throws that could have maybe should have been picked as well, though. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I like how he pushed <laughs> There's one play last night when they, they scored their final touchdown. He, like, rolls out to his left, and his running back is like, throw me the ball. You know, he's like five yards in the fight, and he's like, no, and throws an absolute bullet to the end zone for a touchdown. And the, the announcer was like, yeah, Josh Allen got tired of throwing checkdowns. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> the defense is still really good. Didn't, didn't look like it last night, though. But, I mean, it's one game. I'm not going to completely jump off, go jump off the ship just because they, had, they played one bad game. It's one game. The Titans have been coming off a ton of rest with all the COVID stuff. Yep. Um, and so I do think that's helpful. Obviously, their preparation has been a little strange with the COVID stuff. But we know they're rested. And so, yeah, I wouldn't look too much into this. It was Tuesday game. It's weird timing. You know, yep. it's hard to draw any kind of lasting conclusions from a game like that. And so, speaking of the Titans, I do have them at number five because they are undefeated. Their defense is good. Derrick Henry. Dude, the fact that he threw Josh Norman of all people just made me so happy. <laughs> if you haven't seen the clip, just go look up Derrick Henry Stefarm and you'll see him toss Josh Allen to the side like he's a doll. It's pretty ridiculous. And, you know, they can run the ball right to Tannehill, man. Like, he just makes he makes just enough plays, you know, and he doesn't turn the ball over and he hits open receivers. Like, when you do that and you have a guy like Derrick Henry, like that's all you really have to do. And, you know, their defense is playing well. They're tough. I, I like them a lot. So, yeah, t- Titans at five. Yeah, no, I'm going to stand by that. Um, I think they're really – we were kind of underrating them coming into this season. Like, oh, well, is Tannehill going to be able to do it again? It's just gonna be, yeah, there's going to be a solid team, man. Like, they, they have a good coach. They have a good program set up there. They run the ball well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that too much. So now we get – so I, I always say this. So I, top four teams start – is the, the, the Super Bowl bubble. These are the teams that I think can win the Super Bowl. Number four – we have the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson. Enough said. <laughs> get him on Master Chef. Get him on Chopped. Like he's gonna win all of those shows. My guy's cooking. Yes, he is. So, you know, at the same time, it feels like we're just saying Russell Wilson's the fourth best team in the NFL, even though Metcalf. He's a dude, man. So, I saw this tweet. It's, it was from Jamal Adams, so it's definitely bias, but I can totally. I I think I agree with it. DK Metcalf is our new Calvin Johnson. Just with the size and the athleticism and the speed and everything, like that is who he looks like. Yeah. And, Except and he's 6'4", not 6'7". And Russell, well, Calvin Johnson was 6'5". Calm down. <laughs> Russell Wilson said that he wants to be Montana or Steve Young to Metcalf's as Jerry Rice. Like he sees him as a potential yeah. all-time great guy. He is He's so good. He's man. incredible. He, he's incredible. You know th- the athleticism is incredible. The only thing I don't like about Metcalf is his mouthpiece. It looks like he's got a pacifier in. No, nah, I'm in. I'm out on that. I'm in. Like, why not? Look at the baby. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that little baby is going to absolutely put you through the turf and then run a 4-4 and leave you in the dust. Yeah. As he he doesn't run a 4-4. Chase Claypool is the tallest receiver since Calvin Johnson to run under a 4-4. Sure, but Get Matt, it right. Metcalf outweighs him by about... <laughs> 50 pounds. Fair. Solid muscle. <laughs> um, Chris Collinsworth. All receivers look like that. Yeah. I love that, man. All right. Um, three, two, one. Really easy. Um, three of the Ravens. You know, they're really good. I think p- people were overreacting when they got beat by the Chiefs. Like, it's, it's the Chiefs. Who are also really good. 
and who just seemed to kind of have Lamar Jackson's number. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the only concern, like, I'm going to keep talking about it, like, I guess I'm going to prove Colt right here. They don't play well from behind because I love Lamar Jackson, but he just doesn't throw the football super great, you know? Like, he's a good passer, not a great one. Like, so, I, like, they have to get get an early lead, which when they play 95% of the teams, they're, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Lamar is in a dangerous zone here of we all loved him when he came out. And for whatever reason, I think most smart people don't do this, but there are there is a contingent of people who think, well, he can't win a big game, right? He can, though. Like, he's a good quarterback. Absolutely, and I believe he can, too. But if he doesn't, if they have another bad playoff loss or if they you know have some losses down the stretch – He's in danger of becoming one of those guys that we just kind of write off, right? And I don't want that to happen to him because I do think he's incredible. Yeah, he's great for the NFL. He is. And so I like the Ravens. I think them as a team are, you know, it's just a great organization and what they've been able to do with Lamar and completely change how they play offenses and how NFL offenses constructed has been fun. Um, And so, yeah, I'd still have him as a top three team. I mean, they've they've lost – all of their losses have been really good teams uh, that, that play well. And so, yeah, I'm not really worried about them. Yeah, and then number two, I have the Chiefs. So usually when teams get beat, I usually drop them at least a couple spots, but I don't move the Chiefs. <laughs> no reason. They had one bad game. The defense was bad. But part, part of that is I think Derek Carr is better than what people think. Uh, John Gruden's a much better coach than what people think. And, I mean, look, it's one game. You're playing against a division rival who's excited to play against you. And I'm sure part of them was like, it's the Raiders. Like, we always beat the Raiders. And then, you know, they just they lost one. Like, it, it happens. Here's the thing that worries me about the Chiefs, and I probably wouldn't have moved them down either. But Mahomes didn't play well against New England. And if you look at the stat line, it ended up good, but his two touchdown passes were those little pitches that are pretty much handoffs but count as touchdown passes. And even the week before against the Chargers, they didn't look great. And so I do worry with the Chiefs that, like, yeah, they've been winning these games, and you have Mahomes and you have Reed, so they're always going to be a threat. I think at the beginning of the year, and especially after that Ravens game, we were looking at this team like this absolute juggernaut that nobody was going to be able to approach. And the last three weeks we've seen, hey, that's not really true. Um, yeah. they, they do have some weaknesses. They do have some holes. And so Monday night, Chiefs-Bills is going to be a really, really good game. And a pivotal it's going to be very to telling. How we look at both of those teams. And, and especially how we look at Josh Allen. Just kind of see how he bounces back. I'm, I'm big on the Bills, so I had to bring them up. I think if the Chiefs and Mahomes come out flat, it should be some kind of warning signs going yeah. off about that team after the last couple of weeks. And look, this is the Bills' defense is after New England probably the best defense that they're going to play this year. So I'm, it'll be a good game. Um, and that's it's, it's like a Monday afternoon game. The games are like four o'clock. It's really weird. Yeah, because they have to have two Monday night games because the the Thursday football Thursday night game got canceled. Yeah. Number one, I said said it last week. You know they they got to buy this week. The Green Bay Packers. The offense is really good. I'm higher on the defense than most other people, but I think part of that is just because, let's be honest, if you have the op- option between talking about Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams over their defense, then you're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. And really just Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones because Devontae Adams hasn't really been playing. So I, I'm i in on the Packers. I think they're, if I had to pick a team to win the Super Bowl today, I'd probably pick the Packers. They know the, um, Alden Smith an elite pass rusher who nobody talks about as an elite pass rusher. And they've they got another guy, too, who I wouldn't say he's elite. I can't blank it on his name. But he's also really good. So having two guys who can get after the passer, the 
the back end is solid. I wouldn't say it's great. But linebackers, let's be honest, do we really care about linebackers anymore? Like, I think it's they're probably the least important position, especially on, on a defense, just because it's a passing league. You know, so unless you're a linebacker who blitzes really well or, or covers really well, the teams aren't really worried about you. Yeah, here's my take on the backers. Jordan Love for Rookie of the Year. <laughs> yes. What he has brought to his team. He's brought more to his team than any other rookie in the NFL. Because what has he brought? He has angered Aaron Rodgers yep. to the point of him burning the league down. He's so good, man. Rodgers is insane. And it's pretty much the same team they had last year, right? Same receivers, same OC, same running back. And yet he's incredible. Matt, Matt LaFleur has been better, too, I will say. Sure. He, he has improved. So, so why is Rodgers better? It's because he's angry. And he's mad that they drafted Jordan Love. And he's not throwing round. the ball away. And so Jordan Love has brought more to his team and has led to more winning for his team than any other rookie in the NFL. And so even without stepping foot on the field, Jordan Love for rookie of the year. Yep. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> so here we go. The, the, the segment that I thought was going to be so great that I was really confident in myself in, has quickly taken a turn for the worst. Turns out betting is hard, and we know nothing about it. So, but this is why we do it, though, so we can learn. So, bets of the week. Currently, I'm 6-8-1, and one, so I'm currently lo- losing all of America money because so all of America listens to this. whatever John picks, just go the opposite, and so, you'll be good. Yeah, so last week, last week was my worst week. Hopefully it'll be my worst week of the year because if I have a week worse than last week, then <laughs> you're in trouble. So I went I went one and four last week. Um, the only game I got right was the was the Raiders game. So yeah, hopefully you you bet big on the Raiders game. <laughs> so I, I made the mistake of betting on the Falcons. I shouldn't have done that. So instead of betting f- with the Falcons, I'm I'm gonna bet against them this week. Vikings are four point favorites. Over the Falcons, I'm going to take the Vikings. Teams the week after their head coach get fired usually don't play as well, yeah, unless like you're the Texans. Texans. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. One game, man, one game. So I'm, I'm not really. Uh, so yeah, I, I like the Vikings. They played well Sunday night. They just couldn't. You know, they they gave Russell Wilson the ball with two minutes left. That's it's, it's on them. Yeah, your big problem with this bet here is that you're betting on the Vikings, and uh, I think that's going to be an issue. But anyway, continue. So. Next one, Broncos Patriots. I'm taking the Patriots. They're they're a seven and a half point favorite. No Drew Locke. I think since last year, the Broncos have only won like four games where Drew Locke has not played quarterback, and they usually get beat really bad. And the, and there's no Von Miller. So yeah, g- give me the Patriots. Um, I should probably do like final scores. So for the Vikings, we'll go. Vikings win. Thirty one. Thirty-one twenty-three, and then Patriots win. I think they went big. I don't think this game's close. I don't care if Cam Newton's not playing. Is he playing? I I have no idea if he's. I I don't think he is. I don't. It's not going to matter though. Jarrett Jarrett Stidham for for MVP. <laughs> um, give give me the Patriots. We'll go. Um, we'll go twenty-one to ten. I don't think the Broncos are really going to be able to score. Ravens versus Eagles. Give me the Ravens. You know, they're going to absolutely crush Carson Wentz. I should really just bet the Ravens every week. That's, that's what I should do. 
Uh, yeah, give me the Ravens here. Um, the Eagles are just really banged up. Carson Wentz is trying to do too much. He's throwing way too many interceptions. He's already thrown eight on the year. It's crazy how he's already thrown eight interceptions, and he's still the best quarterback in that division. <laughs> I mean, now, yeah. Beating Andy Dalton? Sure, I'll give you that. And, uh, yeah, so we'll go Ravens 38, Eagles 21. I, I think it's going to be an absolute blowout. Rams 49ers. The Rams are only a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and I this is probably my favorite bet of the week. This is like, like if I had to like put a lock on any of them, It'd be this one. And now that I'm saying that, probably won't happen. So, anyway, so yeah, so 49 is really banged up. I don't know if Jimmy G is going to be the starter or not. I don't – Bettered, is that how you say his name? The Their backup? Bethard. CJ Bethard. Have you seen the – um? have you seen the uh, the memes where it's like the Miami Dolphins played the 49ers and the 49ers got, and then they show Bethard's name, and it's like beat hard? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um. See, I'm going to take the Rams. I don't think this one's going to be close. Aaron Donald's going to have a field day. Uh, he had four sacks last week, man. Four. That's absurd. Absolutely ridiculous. So, and, you know, they gave up. The 49ers gave up five sacks last week to Miami. Who's, who's pass rush is better? I think they're eighth in the league and average sacks per game, but still. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not going to stop this, this Rams defense. That, you know, you got Jalen Ramsey on the outside. So, yeah, I like the Rams. We'll go 31 Thirty-one twenty. Give me the Rams, and then Bengals Colts. So this is my like. So so the fifth bet is always hard for me, and you know, Colt and I were talking about this last night, and I was really tempted to do this, and Colt was like, "Take them." So I'm gonna. So Bengals Colts. I'm gonna take the Bengals plus seven and a half. I don't know if they win. Do Do you think they win? No. No. I'd, you I'd, you just I'd, think I'd, they cover? I think they cover. Beating a team by more than touchdown is hard. When you look at how many one. One score games are in the NFL. I think it would really surprise you of how many are close, and and oftentimes those are backdoor covers, right? It's a team scoring a touchdown with forty seconds left when the game's already over, but you know just getting within. And, and we've seen Joe Burrow do that a few times. I think he's covered every game he's been in, which is hard to do. It's incredible, and so yeah, I I take the Bengals here. I'm not uh, I, not to win, but definitely to cover. Give me a score, because I, I I don't know what to pick for the score here. Um. That is hard. I'm going to say... That Colts defense is really good, so it's going to have to be a, a low-scoring game. Yeah. I don't trust Phillip Rivers, so this is good. I mean, I'd say like 21-17. Yeah, that's fair. I like that. It's going to end up being like... You know, it's, 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 it's going to be a tie game, and then the Colts are going to score, and then and then go for two, <laughs> and they'll get it, and then, and then we'll miss. Yeah, and it'll be an eight-point <laughs> game. Yeah, probably. Okay, last thing before we go. This wasn't planned. But I just want your opinion on it. If you're the Vikings in that Sunday night football game, do you take the field goal or do you go for it on fourth and inches? Yeah, I've heard this back and forth, right? Like the, I I like going for it. I'll be honest, because like you're playing Russell Wilson. I mean, I don't think there's really that big of a difference between giving him the ball on the ten or the twenty five. So I I'm go for it, and then if you get it, like you 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 put the game away. Like you're you're playing to win. I I respect coaches who do that. Yeah, I play for the win too. And people, I've heard people say, "Well, you you kick the field goal and you make it an eight point game, so you have to get a two point conversion." Well, here's the thing, because they're and, and people were saying, "Well, you know, Russell Wilson's going to score." Well, if you know he's going to score, why are you voluntarily giving him the ball exactly. by kicking the field goal? Yeah, no, you go for it. And if you make it, you in the game. And if you don't, you're saying, "Okay, well, instead of having to drive seventy five yards, which is what we have to do if you kick the field goal, now you have to drive ninety three. Yep. 
and, and so we're making you go a lot further in the field. You're starting in a more dangerous position yep. where you have to try to change your play calling a little bit in a way you don't when you're on the 25. And and they ran the ball really well the whole game. Right, yeah. Like, I they that's that's the right call. You know, yeah. e- Even if you don't get it, like that, that's the right call. You do everything you can to make sure Russell Wilson does not have a chance to beat you, which exactly. is what they did, and it didn't work out, but I, I stand by it. Yep. So, all right, that's going to do it. You, you got anything else? No, I think we're good. We're good. All right. Also, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Overtime Takes on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. If you want to hear more. So usually I say that I do a podcast on Fridays, but it hadn't really been happening. No, so, but but if you missed Monday's show, actually, no, the, the audio on that got messed up. So that's that, that's not up either. Listen to this again. Yeah, just there you go. Yeah, let's go back through. Listen yeah. to me yell at John about Sam Ellinger being good. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, thank you guys again for listening. It was really fun. Thank you, Colt. You're great to have on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So all right, that's going to do it here from us. Once again, this is Overtime Takes on KSWH LP 102.5 FM The Pulse here in Arkadelphia.